see, now, now you can hear me now, but when Jesus spoke, 5,000 men plus women and children heard him without a microphone. Figure it out. I kind of think that, you know, you get some of these paintings of Jesus like this anemic little, <laughs> I, I figure anybody that had a voice that could carry that far and was a carpenter and a boot was something other than what some of these things paint. It's great to be with you, and our theme for the last uh, few days has been invade and establish because the word that Lord gave to me for you as a church over the next few years, I know that you're doing that, but it's going to ramp up to a different level. And uh, uh, I shared this morning, and I felt quickened just to briefly say it again tonight, that uh, about 45 years ago, or I can't remember exactly how long ago it was, a man proclaimed over this nation in a meeting that I was in uh, and said, this small nation will be a breadbasket to the world. And over the next few years, um, the number of ministries that went out of this nation to touch the nations of the world was truly extraordinary, uh, including people like Phil Pringle, who started a worldwide movement, uh, uh, Brian Houston, who started Hillsong. I mean, this nation, this little nation, sent uh, John Dawson and uh, Winky Prattney, I mean, impregnated the world with the kingdom of God. It was extraordinary. But, you know, when I was here um, on Friday night, I was so quickened when I was hearing about your conference, and I realized this is not just another conference. This is a statement to the kingdoms of darkness that their time is done and that the kingdom of God is going to take back the nation. And I believe that it was the word of the Lord coming the second time. And I believe that what God began back there, but we got diverted, is coming back again. And how many are grateful that it's never too late for him? And so it's going to be an extraordinary decade that now lies ahead for this nation and the part that you play in that. And so I'm very excited about it. And I, I physically cannot be here for your conference because I'm someplace else in the globe preaching. But I tell you what, I was so inspired by it. As your pastor said, I just went out there and registered Margaret and I anyhow because I feel that strongly about what God's agenda is for that conference. So get behind it with all of your heart. Amen. Father, we're so grateful tonight, Lord, that as we have enjoyed your presence, oh, Father, we have enjoyed our time together. We thank you, my God, that you haven't got a religious bone in your body. Father, thank you that you just love hanging out with your sons and daughters. Thank you, Father, that you accept us unconditionally, that you love us indescribably. Father, that here in this place tonight, Oh, my God, that your heart just wants to be revealed and your intention spoken so that people's hearts can become so in tune with your own. So, Father, I thank you for our friend, Holy Spirit, who will now empower these words, Father, to impregnate human hearts with your intention. Father, we give you alone the honor for it in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 Oh, man, I've been loved this visit. 
I've so enjoyed it. Isn't it good that when you're preaching all the time, it's so good to actually enjoy what you do. Yeah. I, 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 I can't, someone was talking to me, boy, something about a heavy schedule or something like that. I said, are you kidding? You cannot describe this as work. You know, I, I'm enjoying myself while I've been here. And I really believe the Lord has shown me something about that. Operating out of rest, yeah. operating out of delight, operating out of an intimacy with my Father's heart yeah. where it, the one word for, that would describe how I'm living right now would be the word effortless. Yeah. Because I, I believe in the power of still waters. I believe that if I linger beside still waters and hear his voice, his voice is creative. Yeah. And when that voice, when you hear him speak and you hear his commission, it, it, it actually creates within you the capacity to then fulfill whatever it is that he has said. People that try to live the Christian life find it really hard. Yeah. People that try to do ministry find it really hard. I know, because I did for many years. I am an am a expert on the subject of burnout. But I want to tell you something. I found a better way. I found that if I listen to my father's heartbeat, he automatically empowers whatever it is that he says. And I want to get into sharing a very simple truth with you tonight, but it's a very powerful one. But before I do that, where, where's the young lady that was standing about right here? She, there she is there. Right, give me a wave. Uh, right. um, don't underestimate the depths that God has placed inside of you. Wow. Don't uh, underestimate the well of wisdom wow. that one, you have now, but two, is going to develop over the next few years. Uh, your love for the Word is going to intensify and there's going to come inside of you a yearning to know why and what the answer is. Uh, and you are to get a hold of the Word and that Word will be not only because you love it, but because God is storing up inside of you a well of wisdom. Uh, and the mark of your life in the, uh, as you move forward in the next few years and decades is going to be the extraordinary wisdom that you bring to bear when people are in need, stored up well. Okay, Where, where's the man that was over here uh, playing the keyboard? Way over there. What are you doing way over there? Um, diversity, diversity, diversity. Uh, um, when I looked up at you, I, uh, the phrase that went through my mind, actually it was going through yours, um, but I picked up, uh, was, um, but I've never done this before. I want you to really get a, used to that phrase. Oh, Lord, but I've never done that before. Get used to it. Because the Lord, over the next few years, is going to again and again and again present you with the opportunity to do stuff that you have not yet done before. And there's going to be a great diversity, and all you've got to do is remember this. Anything he tells you to do, he'll empower you to do. Praise the Lord. Um, and ah, Are you two together? Well, 
nods ahead just a little more vigorously. Um, yeah. Um, I got a flash picture just then, or just actually before, and and I saw I saw these people in um, like uh, overalls, uh, work boots, uh, laborers' clothing, which is awesome. But I saw you getting a hold of them. Crazy picture. I saw you getting a hold of them and speaking to them, and whatever it was that you were saying to them brought about this gradual but very definite transformation. And it's like the Lord took me forward a couple of years, and I saw them walking down the street with, with, like, with a briefcase and a, you know, and I thought, what is this? And you are going to lift people into a greater potential of their lives. Wow. It's like it's going to be the mark where you can take a person from 2 out of 10 to 7, 3 out of 10 to 8 out of 10. And so don't find it surprising then that over the next two years, God stirs your own heart. Because God is about to shift gear with you too. And I, I, it's going to be like, Lord, um, at, are you sure? At, at, I can almost hear you saying it. Particularly you, my brother. I can, I can hear you almost saying, but Lord, <laughs> do you need reminding about the age I am? Well, I can tell you now, you're a chicken compared with me. All right? <laughs> and, and, and he's saying heaps of stuff to me for the first time. But listen, listen, and don't be daunted by what he says. Because in going to that level, you are actually developing a message within yourself that you'll empower others with. Praise the Lord. Um, numbers. The guy in the white T-shirt beside you. Yeah, right there. I'm staring rudely at you. Right. Um, numbers. People that depend on numbers. People that have confidence in numbers. Two and two make four, always four. It's to, and also finances. Like $10 plus $10 makes $20. And there's something about people in that area of life that God is going to use you to, to connect with them at their level but introduce the whole unreasonable laws of the kingdom that are not bound by any of that. Okay? So once again, don't be surprised at the track that God takes you down over the next few years. <laughs> it's going to be like a voyage of discovery. Okay. In fact, can I say this to you? I'll say it to all of us because we're all going to get this a little bit. If you're a member of this church, I can tell you one thing. It ain't going to be boring. <laughs> um, and, but, and I'm not just trying to be funny, but it is a funny picture. And I've got it several times for people around the world, but I got it tonight for you. And it's, it's good. Don't worry. Don't tense. It's, it's positive. Uh, um, but have you ever been on a roller coaster? Mm -hmm. How many people here have ever been on a roller coaster? Right. You know, you know, when they put you in that, I'm talking about the big roller coaster. Now, when they put you in that thing, and this big padded thing comes down and goes, tonk, that should tell you something. <laughs> And then, and then they take you up. 
uh, and clack, 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 clack. And that, that's, that's all kind of exciting and lovely. But then the clack, clack stops. And, and, you, and you know why? Because they've suddenly unhinged you. And now you're launched. And nothing but the law of gravity is involved. And there's no steering wheel. There's no brakes. You just got to trust like crazy that the man that designed the thing wasn't on marijuana when he did. <laughs> and, and that little scene flashed through my head. That should keep you awake tonight. Yeah. <laughs> It ain't going to be dull. Be ready for it. Are you alive and well? Highly intentional. Right behind Pastor Tuck. Yeah, don't look around at anybody else. Here's you. Who? Um, highly intentional. God is taking you into a season of becoming highly intentional. Um, training, boot camp, the word, it's like discipleship, it's like let him put the harness on, let him get the strategy in, he's taking you into a season of getting very, very intentional and strategic about developing your spiritual muscle for the years that lie ahead, lean into it, praise the Lord. I want to talk to you tonight about bearing in mind that our whole theme has been invade and establish. The apostolic call is to, on a church or a person is to invade and establish. It comes from the Roman thing where they would invade a nation, but not because they wanted military might, but because they actually believed that the culture of Rome was the best culture in the globe, whether it was or it wasn't. But the fact of the matter is because they believed it, they invaded a nation in order to establish the culture of Rome. And the one that was given the responsibility of establishing that culture in that foreign place was the apostolus, the one that was sent to establish culture. And so when Paul says, I am an apostle unto the Gentiles, everybody knew exactly what he was referring to because he was using a term they all knew very well. He has come to invade and establish. And I have been sharing over the last few days with you that that is your responsibility. Every person that's breathing in this building that's born again of the Spirit of God is held responsible for invading your world uh, with the culture of heaven. You are to replace the culture of despair with a culture of hope. You are to replace the culture of division with a culture of unity. You are to replace the culture of anger with a culture of forgiveness. You are to invade the culture, whether that's in your own home or whether it's in your vocation or your place of work or wherever it is, your sports club, you have a responsibility not to accept the status quo but to invade with the culture of heaven and the culture of the kingdom and bring about change. And so as it is, Jesus said, as it is in heaven, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You only have to ask one question. 
When you are thinking about should I change something or does it need changed, then you only have to ask yourself one question. Is it in heaven? Does that culture that you're thinking about, that attitude that you're thinking about, that environment that you're thinking about, uh, that circumstance that you're thinking about, does it belong in heaven? Because there is no anger in heaven, there's no rejection in heaven, there's no despondency in heaven, so it's not in heaven, what do we automatically know? That it shouldn't be here. Because we are, brought, we are called to bring that which is in the heaven to the earth. And let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This morning we talked about the fact that Israel was commissioned to go from Egypt and into the promised land in a matter of days. And they failed that. Why? Somebody that was here this morning, they failed to do what? Several of you. Seize the moment. They failed to seize the moment and a generation of, Chris, uh, of God's people uh, were wandering around because they failed to seize the moment. Tonight I want to take you to the other end of that story and tell you about the generation that did. Because it didn't end there. Why did Israel end up possessing the promised land? We know that a generation didn't, but we know a generation that did. So what was the difference? I want to suggest to you tonight it's because three men anticipated possessing it. Moses, Joshua, and Caleb anticipated possessing that land for four decades when there was no physical evidence to support such an anticipation. Can you just imagine that? All they had was a word from God, but every single morning they would wake up. We're going to possess the land. We're going to possess the land. I expect uh, it'll, be next, it'll be next week or it'll be next month, and, and nothing would happen. It was all the same, but they would anticipate it the next month. Then they'd anticipate it the following year, but they never lost the anticipation of entering that land. And now we know that Moses didn't physically enter the land. The other two did. But all three of them played their part uh, because all three had the anticipation of entering that land. And because they had the anticipation of it, they impregnated a nation with the longing and desire to possess that place of promise. Friends, I'm going to tell you something, that when you are in a wilderness and when you are surrounded by people of unbelief, and when you have day in, day out, day in, day out of wind and dust and, and heat, it is completely unreasonable to anticipate something else when that's all you've known for day in, day out, day in, year in, year out, year in, year out. But there comes something about a creative word from God that just will not die. It just will not die. And there was an anticipation of faith. I want you to get a hold of this. This is what they did. Joshua and Caleb, they, they created an anticipation of entering the land, which was an anticipation of faith, and they created their own mini-environment, their own mini-culture uh, that kept them from being impregnated by the 
culture around them, which was a culture of unbelief. They had millions of people who had a culture of unbelief and intimidation, and yet they were able to keep their own anticipation alive. Why? Because they consciously built that culture for themselves. We will not be, we will not allow ourselves to be robbed of the inheritance because everybody else is willing to be. You see, Joshua and Caleb did succeed. Invade and establish. Invade and establish. Every morning they would get up in the morning and they knew what they were called to do. They were commissioned to do. We are going to invade and we're going to establish. We're going to invade the promised land. We're going to establish the kingdom of God. They, they knew it. They kept alive within them and they created an environment. Let me pause there for a second with this word environment. Do you know that environment is actually very, very powerful? You ask any person that's dying of cancer because they lived in an environment of smokers. They haven't smoked. They didn't, never did. But they secondhand smoked. Uh, the smokers, or whatever they call them. And, and the environment really does matter. They did, they did an um, experiment or many, many years ago. I think it was SeaWorld in America, but I'm not quite sure. And what they did was they took this baby shark. They actually did this. They took a baby shark and they stuck it in a tank, a fish tank. I don't know how big it was. But, you know, it wasn't a big fish tank. And what they did was they observed it, and this shark grew to adolescence and then adulthood, but didn't grow in size. It, had, it actually adapted to the environment in which they placed it. And then they took that shark out and they placed it in this huge great lagoon. And within a short space of time, and I don't know exactly how long, but in a short space of time, that, that, that shark, which had never grown at all right into its adulthood, suddenly and over a very short period of time grew into this monstrous great shark. Why? Because it adapted to the environment into which it was placed. Yeah. And I want to suggest to you that environment really matters. Culture really matters. And it's a tragedy that many people in God's house, God's people, adapt to the culture around them, uh, adapt to the culture and the environment in which they find themselves rather than carrying the culture of heaven and creating their own environment. Environment really does matter. I won't preach overly long tonight. Well, I say that every time, and it, yeah, I know what happens. Um, but I, for a few moments, I want to show you the part that you play in creating the environment in which you then live. I want to talk about something that actually creates the culture that you then breathe in, that you live in. And it's the word anticipation. Anticipation. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence, the evidence of things not yet seen. Uh, the NIV says this, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not yet see. But what is hope? Hope is actually a positive anticipation. 
That's all hope is. Hope is a positive anticipation concerning the future. Hope uh, uh, anticipates the positive tomorrow, believes for the positive tomorrow. Hope is something that keeps the positive expectation alive. Philippians ch chapter 4 verse 6 says this, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, with celebration and thanksgiving, then present your request to God. But I, I want to ask you a question. If, if for some people, they've had a rugged past. So if your past, and even possibly for some, your present, has been contradiction, opposition, and hardship, then what on earth are you thanking God for? Will you thank Him for His love? Yes, for His redemption, absolutely. But I want to suggest to you that you're thanking Him for your future. That you're thanking Him for the breakthrough that is definitely coming tomorrow. You see, that's what hope is, the evidence of things not yet seen. Because you haven't seen it does not mean it does not exist. It means that it hasn't come from the realm of his reality into the realm of your reality quite yet. But if you keep the anticipation alive, the hope alive, hope will create that which is already created in the heavens. Philippians 4, 7 says, And the peace of God, which is beyond all possibility of understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So, what is it saying? Though the peace of God, the peace of God, get hold of this, will guard your heart, guard your mind. It's not subject to your understanding. The peace of God is the fruit of, of something. It's a fruit of a positive, faith-filled anticipation. Let me explain to you what I mean, because I'm living in it. And just as last... Uh, uh, a few months in the last 12 months has been quite an extraordinary trip for me because uh, uh, I was uh, out of the ministry for a while there, five or six months with uh, various physical challenges that everybody else got very anxious about, but I wasn't. And um, it ended up being a time of fresh commissioning. And one of the things that used to be spoken to me, and I'm not trying to be dramatic here or in any way uh, superficial, it just happened to be the truth. You can ask my wife, Margaret, that, that uh, the number of times someone says, but aren't you a bit anxious? No. And I'd actually lie there sometimes and say, why, why am I not anxious? Everybody around me is, but you know what? I was living in this bubble. It's called the peace of God. And so what the enemy meant for evil became good because all I did was treat my isolation as an opportunity for Father and I to have some uninterrupted time. And what was birthed in my spirit during that time, I'm now living in today, and I've never loved life as much as I do right now. And so I'm telling you right now, friends, it's possible to have your own culture, your own environment, regardless of what's going on around you. But it's because you anticipate something. You anticipate it. You, you, joy and peace are the results. They're not something you go after. Joy and peace are the fruit of an anticipation. You anticipate Father's faithfulness. You anticipate His goodness. You anticipate that He will be directing your ways by the Holy Spirit. You anticipate that you will be secure in your Father's love. You anticipate the miraculous breakthrough that is coming. 
all last year, the Lord was speaking to us about launching our individual team members into their own ministries, and the finances weren't there because I'd been out of ministry quite a bit. And so uh, Margaret and I on one page about this, we felt, no, it's a clear word from God. And so we began to invest our own finances into the team uh, again and again and again. And uh, we were taking, in the end, we were increasing our mortgage monies and things like that to invest into these teams. And people said, do you think that's wise? I said, it could not be wiser because it's what my father said to do. And they said, but doesn't, aren't you getting a bit concerned about it? No, not the slightest little bit. How can I earth, can I get concerned about something my father asked me to do? That, that, that's, that's just not possible. But why was it? Why, why was this sense of unreasonable delight at getting rid of all this money? <laughs> why? That's not reasonable. But why was it like that? Because I had an anticipation. I had this unreasonable anticipation that my father will always provide and my father will always be faithful. And, and, and three days, three days before I got in a plane to come here, a man rang me up and, you know, and he was going through some difficulties and he was... Um, uh, marriage was not in a good place and all that sort of stuff. So I agreed to meet with him and, and share with him and help him any best way I can. And I did that. And then he looked me in the eyeball. And he said, I'm coming into some money at the end of May. And the Holy Spirit just told me to give you this amount. And it was everything that Margaret and I have invested into the team in the last 12 months. You see, but my friends, there was an anticipation. I didn't know how my father was going to do it, but I, I just knew in the inside, you cannot serve God, you cannot obey God, you cannot do what Father wants you to do and end up being deprived because of it. It's just not the culture of heaven. I hope I'm speaking to somebody. It's, you see, there's an incredible power in what you anticipate. Anticipation is something you cultivate, you feed it. It's highly intentional. Friends, when you have a trust in your Father, and when you anticipate His goodness, you cannot get anxious. It's impossible. It's actually impossible once you've settled the question. It's impossible. Why? Because there's no anxiety in heaven. A lot of people do underestimate the power of their anticipation and their thinking. And I want to read this to you. Philippians 1.20. And Paul said, and all these incredible things that he did, that it was according to my earnest expectation. Think about that. It was according to my earnest anticipation, expectation, anticipation, hope. I, I know it all happened, but it was according to my anticipation. He actually expected it. He anticipated it. And I think sometimes that we lose track of, of this one. I, I, have I got a slide? Doesn't matter if I don't. I didn't mention it to them beforehand. They'd have to be really working the word of knowledge to know about it, wouldn't they? Um, 
But I want to tell you something, that your anticipations have incredible consequence. They play a remarkable part in the creating of the quality of life that you experience and the manner in which you influence those around you. What do you anticipate? Okay, no, no, not that one. Sorry, nah. So, that's all right. What I'm going to say to you, I'll give you the bombshell. You can take that off. Oh, that's the right one. There you go. And Jesus didn't have these things either. I want you to have a look at that statement that I got put up there for you. So much of that which we see as a confirmation of our thinking is in fact the consequence of our thinking. People say, well, you know, I, I just knew this was going to happen. Uh, you know, I, haven't I been saying it for the last three days? I knew this was going to happen. And then when it happens, I say, see, I, didn't I tell you? But what came first? The anticipation or the realization of it? Friends, I'm telling it again, look at the words. So much of that which we see as a confirmation of our thinking is in fact a consequence of our thinking. You can take it off now. How does the Bible put it? It says this, For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that your confession, with your confession that you are saved, and friends, a creative anticipation is something that you believe in your heart and you confess with your lips. And I'm telling you now, I've been at it, I've been preaching 50 years, I'm turning 70 this year, I've learned a couple of things, and one of them is this, that if I think it in my mind and I believe it in my heart and I confess it with my lips, there's something powerfully creative about that. And you start building because of what you think and you believe and you confess, you start building an anticipation. And as you begin to build an anticipation, you are creating something that when it takes place, it's not just confirming you were right, it's actually because of how you thought, how you confessed, how you anticipated. The Bible calls it faith. Proverbs 18.21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat of its fruit. There is a consequence to what you say. In Proverbs 13, uh, 2, from the fruit of a person's own lips they enjoy life. You see, when you think it in your mind, you believe it in your heart, you confess it with your lips, you are creating environment. You are creating culture around you. And I believe that in the very simplicity of what God told me to say to you tonight is this. Cultivate, excuse me, cultivate an entirely unreasonable anticipation of yeah. tomorrow. The words over at Brother Tark and this church was extraordinary and unreasonable. Well, I believe that for every single person in this building, regardless of your track record up to tonight, you need to go out of here and change your thinking so that your thinking is according to the culture of heaven and you need to begin to confess that which God has said about you, not what your past has said about you. Celebrate what Father has promised to you. I'm going to quickly give you some illustrations because otherwise you might miss what I'm saying. Your anticipation creates. What do I mean by that? Let's take a very clear illustration. 
uh, someone asks to have time with you. So you make an appointment, you go to see them. Now, what's your anticipation? Because if you anticipate being accepted and, and, and loved by that one that you're visiting, you feel secure. You feel relationally secure because you're anticipating being loved and accepted by that person. Now, here's the point. Because you feel secure relationally, it affects your attitude. It affects the way in which you go into the meeting. It affects the way what you emanate when you walk in the door. And the one to whom you're relating then picks up on how you're feeling and the fact that you're feeling so secure and anticipating such good things, it touches them. And it begins to affect them. And it affects the degree of spontaneity and generosity of their own love and communication to you as a person. And you find that your anticipation has now borne fruit. Your anticipation of being loved has sent out a message and created an environment in which you can be loved. When a person, uh, take the opposite side of that. If you're going to see a person and because of the past or circumstances or personality or whatever it is, you anticipate it being difficult. You're anticipating being mistreated in some way. You're, you're anticipating that it's not going to go well, it, just based on past and stuff like that. And so what do you, well, how do you feel? Well, you feel vulnerable. You feel, wow. And so what do you do, consciously or subconsciously? You begin to erect shields of defense around you. And then you walk into that environment with your shields of defense. But those shields of defense are actually taken by the one that you are now relating to as withdrawal or hostility. And their own sense now of bewilderment or offense at your shields causes them to withhold the very love that they had previously decided to show you. Your anticipation has borne fruit. Your anticipation of being mistreated has sent out a message which has been responded to and then you get what you anticipate. Friends, again and again I want to say to you that, that, that what takes place around us is most often not the, not the uh, fruit of your wisdom of analysis, it's a consequence. It's the result of your, what you have anticipated. It affects people. Have you ever seen, have you ever seen um, those diagrams we used to use 50 years ago of spirit, soul, and body? And what's the smallest bit? The spirit in the middle, that little dot. I want to tell you something, that's the reverse is the truth. I can touch your spirit long before I get a chance to shake your hand because it emanates out of you. Some people can change the culture of a room just by walking into it because of who they are. Isn't that true? And so, friends, you, you, you actually create culture by the culture that you carry. That's what we've been talking about in the last few days. You know, so someone starts withdrawing from you, but did it have to be that way? No, no, it didn't. The negative anticipation created their environment. I'm telling you it was the anticipation of your heart. I'll give you another illustration. I'll go careful. Time's just about gone. But friends, I really want you to get a hold of this. 
Because people that know their Father and they know His faithfulness and they know His goodness and they know His generosity and they know their trust in Him and their intimacy with Him, they actually live with an anticipation of His faithfulness. They live in anticipation of His provision. So what does that then allow them to do? If they anticipate his provision, they anticipate his miraculous, they, they anticipate that, what, what does that do to them now? It releases them to be generous. <laughs> because I so anticipate my God's miracle tomorrow, I can pour out today to those that have need today. Why? Because I'm anticipating my Father's great provision, and because, listen, 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 and because of that anticipation, my generosity is released, but because my generosity is released, my Father responds. Proverbs 11.25, the generous soul must be made rich, and he that waters others will be watered themselves. So, so what is this? Oh, this is because I anticipated his faithfulness and his great provision. I'm just spontaneously being generous. But because I'm being generous, it releases Father's great faithfulness. And his provision, why? Because he's tied to his word. And so I have a miracle a week ago with that man because why? Why? Because of my anticipation. Because for the last 12 months I've anticipated my father's faithfulness. It released me to be able to invest into others. And because I did invest into others, it triggers the cosmos law of sowing and reaping and it's going to happen. But... You see what I'm trying to say? What came first, chicken or egg? Your anticipation. But people that anticipate uncertainty and, oh, the globe's going down, the dollar could do this, their anticipation, oh, God, you never know what's going to happen tomorrow. Their anticipation is all negative and they have no, no culture of heaven when it comes to the glorious provision of God. So how do they live? With that kind of an anticipation. Well, I've got to keep for me now. I've got to lock it up. You know, you know, who knows what's going to happen tomorrow. Oh, I've got to hold on. And because they hold on, Proverbs 11 tells me, it must result in poverty. But their poverty isn't a confirmation that their thinking was right. It's, it's a consequence of their thinking. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? And I looked up and I realized the clock has ticked. <laughs> Friends, you'll, uh, we've been talking for days about invading the culture of this world with a culture of heaven. And I want to say tonight then, the powerful part, that what you think in your heart, sorry, think in your mind, believe in your heart, and confess with your lips. And I'm going to close with a couple of prayers that we can pray as you go out the door tonight, because friends, you, can, you may have heard everything I've said prophetically, and particularly if you get some of the tapes from the other meetings, and the future does look quite extraordinary, but I want to say as far as you as an individual is concerned, you've got to start having faith for it. You've got to start and 
anticipating. You've got to start believing it. You've got to start talking about it. You've got to start creating that environment and culture into which the evasion of God can come. So here's a prayer. Now you can put that one up. God, change my thinking to be in line with your word rather than influenced by my past. Of one thing I'm certain you cannot have yesterday back. So you can either regret it or you can cut it loose. Friends, cut it loose. Cut it loose. Today's a new day. Look, look at the very conference you're having is called what? A new era. Last time I was here, I preached on a new era. And friends, I knew the difference between a new season and a new era, or some of you really you need to hear this, is because a new season is repetitive, but a new era changes everything that comes after it. Some of you are about to begin a whole new era. But you've got to think it and believe it in your heart, confess it with your lips before there's any physical evidence of it. And when the physical evidence of it suddenly breaks forth, it's because you've created a culture and environment around you that allows the invasion of heaven. Lord, next slide. Lord, enlarge my faith. Plant anticipations within me by the Holy Spirit that believe for so much more than yesterday's reality. I want to say to you that if you'll pray that prayer and you can get up in the morning every day and say, Father, align my thinking with the culture of heaven. Align my desires with the culture of heaven. Father, align my anticipations with the reality of who you really are. And I tell you, friends, I will not dishonor the wonder of my Father by anticipating something from him that he's not worthy of. I honor him by my anticipations. I don't expect him to be any different. I know he's my loving father. I know he's a great provider. I know he's always faithful. I, I know he's one that embraces me every day. I live in the anticipation of that. And that allows me to live life today. Change the thinking. Change the confession. Like Joshua and Caleb, it doesn't matter who's around you. It doesn't matter your work environment. It doesn't matter how many people think differently. You are responsible for the culture you create with the anticipations of your heart. Can you say amen? Amen. amen. What a wonderful, I've loved my time with you so much. And I want you to go out of here realizing, and I'm not saying it's not cheap giveaway stuff. I, I wouldn't do that, not in this environment. But let me tell you this. Every now and again, I have the great, great privilege of being in a church that I know has an apostolic grace to change a nation and the nations of the earth. And this is one of those. And I pray and I trust that uh, the last few days will have done something to sow into that so that you now have an anticipation of the future. Do you have an anticipation of the thousands of people coming out to that conference? Do you have an anticipation of the part that you'll play? Do you have an anticipation for your future and the way in which you will walk? Friends, you have an anticipation that's in line with who God really is.
Father, we thank you. Let's take to our hearts in prayer. Father, we thank you tonight, Lord, for these last few days together. Father, I pray that you will somehow take the word spoken. And Father, that fatalism will die tonight. Negative expectation will die tonight. Father, disappointments and the power of those disappointments will die tonight. And Father, there will arise within each person that unreasonable, that, that, that totally illogical expectation of a God that loves them and can be trusted for their future. Father, I pray that every heart in this building will go out of here determined to change their environment by changing their belief and changing their confession. Father, I thank you now as I commit this great church and its leadership to you. Father, may the, I pray that heaven will indeed invade this conference that is coming. That, Father, the, the combined celebration of thousands of people will send such a signal out to the powers of hell that their day is finished in this nation. Lord, I pray for a shaking of the spirit kingdom, Father, from the, the praises of your people during those few days. I pray, Father, that, my God, it will ripple out across our nation and across the nations of the world. Thank you, Father. Let every heart be encouraged, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless you.